amazingly, 11 years now. Uh, but I'm from Brazil. I went and grew up in Brazil and uh, went to med school in Brazil and then got married and moved to the U.S. So like how I got here, uh, I grew up like typical Asian kid, uh, uh, or at least typical Asian kid in Brazil. <laughs> Good at math and you know, good in, in school. So um, I, I love I, I love gadgets and electronics. So I, I you know my try was I was set to be an electronic engineer. You know I, that's what I wanted to do, but that changed in uh, like my senior year in high school. And, uh, realized hmm, my uncle was an electronic engineer. Like, I really want to do this. You can't work as an engineer. If you want to be an engineer, you have to work under someone the rest of your life. If you want to make money as an engineer, you have to be a business owner or you know make your own company. And I didn't want to do that. And also at the same time, I was starting to feel like I wanted to do something that would help people, something that would you know I would look back at the end of my life and feel like I accomplished something, I did something that was worthwhile. So I had so but you know engineering was still there, and then you know law school was something another option and. You know, medicine, because that's the only three things Asian kids can pick. <laughs> so, uh, so I, I basically drew straws and medicine came out. So that's how I got into med school. So, and, and you know, mind you, I was not a believer then. I only became a believer way later. So, you know, I think there's a question later on that we can go deeper into. Uh, yeah. Like how to choose a job, you know, so not taking strong strong. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what we learned last week, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> but then God can use anything, even somebody picking straws and bring you to a point where I could not imagine. Thirty years ago, I'm Ryan. I work at a tech company called Life Ray, and I do global operations. So it's uh, but I run operations for Southeast Asia, so China and Singapore in our Tokyo office. Uh, but that's like sales, marketing, uh, cloud product operations, things like that. Um, yes, that's that's what. It, and I went into uh, this workplace uh, kind of kicking and screaming uh, after seminary. Uh, the church wasn't able to offer me a full time position, so I had to find a job so I could get married. And so the Lord brought me to LifeRate as a company. Um, and uh, yeah, the Lord's kind of worked through that and, and uh, allowed me to kind of grow and learn, uh, apply my theology um, in the workplace. So yeah, it's been good. Uh, I'm Adrian. I'm a physical therapist. I work at UCLA. I think I see some of you volunteering there sometimes. <laughs> um, I have been working for almost 10 years now. Um, I was in school and I had no idea what I wanted to do in college and I was like, I like science, so like maybe healthcare. And then someone's like, you should think about being a PT. I was like, I don't even know what that is. And so um, I like volunteered with a physical therapist through college and a little bit after and I knew I liked working with people. Um, so I wanted to do something that had interpersonal interaction and um, God gracefully let me get into PT school with my bad grades. And, yeah, I'm Kelly. Um, I am a small business owner. I'm a, a graphic designer. My, edu my education or background is in, in graphic design, so that's what I kind of do. Um, so I got out of high school and just thought I needed to go to school so that I could get a good job, so I thought business was the way to go. And that's where I actually started. Um, and I found out that I was both bad at it and I didn't like it. And so, um, and so ironically, my mom and dad came to me and said, maybe you should think about art, which is, to me, like the weirdest thing ever to think about. <laughs> hey, why don't you not make money and just be a starving person, artist? And, um, but when I switched over, I felt like, man, I could do this all day long. And so I became a graphic, I was a graphic design major. And then ironically, I owned, I, like, at 19, I started this business, and that's kind of what I've been doing ever since. So even though I didn't like going to business classes and sitting through those lectures or anything, I actually love having a business now and doing business. So. Cool. Yeah, so I mean, obviously very different jobs, very different paths to get there. 
Um, this is first question for all you guys. Uh, I think for I think many of these college students, they maybe come in with like a very narrow understanding of work, right? And maybe even these past few weeks have been the first time they've really thought through like how does the gospel actually change how I think about work. Um, for you guys, what was as a college student, maybe as a young person, what was your understanding of work, maybe, and then how did that, I guess, broaden, grow, and mature over the years? We're all trying to think about when we're in college. <laughs> 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 Kelly has longer to think. Yeah, so I get more time to think about it. Yeah. Uh, I, I'll go. Um, yeah, so I think in college, uh, so I went to UCLA, I was a polysign religion uh, major, majors. Um, and I actually had taken the LSAT and was applying to, co- to law school. Um, and uh, that's when I had the fateful lunch with Pastor Kim. Um, but what, what that lunch did was I, I realized that my thinking about my own career and work was all about me. Um, it was about what I wanted. I wanted a reputation. I wanted prestige. That's why I wanted to be a lawyer. And I wanted money for materialism. Uh, and uh, I think in that lunch when, when Pastor Kim had shared, uh, you know, about thinking about ministry and, and going into seminary, um, and uh, that that was really a wake up call for me to not think about what what I can, what what's about me, right? And uh, his big question to me that still, you know, um, still kind of helps me think through a lot of the decisions I make is, is how can I glorify God with my life, not just in like a specific one individual decision, um, and so. I think that's that's you know as I study scripture too. I think that's something that Christians are are called to think about, right? Is not just how can I glorify God with my day, but with your entire life, your career, right? Um, and so that was that was kind of a guiding question that, and you know, unfortunately, I heard I had that conversation when I was a senior in college, and so, um, but ever since then, I think that has really changed my perspective of of my work, you know, uh, really being God's work through me. Um, and so yeah, that was that was really helpful for me when I was a college student. I guess piggybacking on that. Uh, um, well, I, again, I, I think I became really a true believer in 2008, so, you know, so when I, you know, I mean, when I drew the straws, and, you know, up until, you know, even after I, I was already working uh, at Kaiser, my view of work was pretty shallow. It was just about, right? So it was about me. It was about, you know, yeah, yeah, it was about helping people. But ultimately, it was still about me feeling good about helping people. Mm-hmm. And it was about me making good living to provide for my family. Um, and so there was no, uh, this gospel perspective was not on the radar until, you know, probably mid-career at Kaiser, you know, to realize that uh, while life is actually all about Jesus, and my ultimate purpose and pleasure is to live with Jesus for Jesus, right, and how, so then, and then I started looking at work as, like Brian said, it's God's doing his good work through me, through my life, so as God restoring the broken shalom, the broken peace in this world, through my work as a physician, right? I'm not there to just patch up people and you know, let them go to hell, but you know, in my trying to heal them, in my trying to treat them, I am uh, trying to, into a certain extent, you know, restore shalom to, to their health, and at the same time, develop relationships with them. So, it, yeah, it's, um, it's really broad in my view. So I am there, again, like you said, not for me, uh, but for God and for the people that come to me, and not just my patients, but my nurses, my uh, my coworkers as well. I think in college I was like really scared of making the wrong decision. Like mm. I thought there was like going to be one path for me. Like God, just like let me cast lots so you can tell me what I was going to do for like my job. You know, like. And I was like, I think everyone in college appeared to have everything together. Everyone would be like, I'm going to med school. I'm doing this. And they're like, what are you going to do? And I'm like, 
I don't know, and I felt like judgmental eyes staring at me, and I think I was really scared that if I picked one path, and what if that was the wrong path, or what if I picked this path, but I didn't get into grad school, like, what am I going to do? And I think um, it took a lot of, like, processing through that and realizing that I need to just trust that God has a plan, and whatever happens is his plan for me, and that, um, you know, if I don't get in grad school, like, that's what God ordained and, and wants in my life, so I can have peace um, over, you know, that circumstance, and I think, but that was, like, just really hard, because I think, you know, my parents were, like, asking me what I was going to do, and I felt pressured, because I think they wanted me to, like, I don't know, they were like, your brother took five years to graduate, you better finish in four, and I was like, oh, no, like, <laughs> I need to, like, I don't know, have my life together, and it felt like everyone around me had, like, all these decisions set in place, um, and so I think there was a lot of outside pressure, um, and so I think, you know, there's a lot of fear in my heart of, like, choosing the wrong path. So um, I think God was really showing me how much, how little I, I trusted in him and trusted in his plans. Mm -hmm. um, and it took a lot of repeated lessons out of, like, trusting that God is sovereign over every path in my life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, I want to talk about kind of, I guess, the idea of perspective kind of a little bit. Um, I know for you guys, maybe like choosing a job and like work is the biggest thing in your life right now, and like that's all you can think about, right? But hopefully, from their experience, you, looking back, you can kind of see, oh, like maybe I need to step back a little bit and see everything else going on. Um, and so, two things I want to talk about, I guess, relating to perspective. Um, one is uh, we talked about just the frustration of work, right? Like work is affected by the fall and sin, um, and so it's not going to be what it was meant to be, um, basically. And so this is for all of you guys, if you're going to chime in, but uh, like, what are you, some of your own personal experiences of the quote-unquote brokenness of work? Like, it's frustrating, it's difficult. Um, kind of maybe in your day-to-day. -day. How long do we have? <laughs> <laughs> I think one, one of the things I've shared is, is that you know when I started the business I started my business for a lot of the wrong reasons and so that involved um, you know finance you know I saw money as a, as a big thing I saw um, just comfort like you think oh you own your business you just start when you want to start and you end when you want to end that kind of thing you work when you want to work um, so there's a lot of poor decisions made into starting the business and as I went along um, yeah, starting a business is hard. It's super hard. Um, so just, you know, for me and the brothers, it was a lot of just staying up all night each week and that kind of thing. And so just a lot of poor decisions leading to that. And there came to a point where I was like, do I just shove this and go um, just work for someone and, and be a designer for someone and have a comfortable life and that kind of thing. And so... Um, I was thinking about the, thinking through this, and and then in my very limited theology, but grateful for God to just put it on my heart, is um, I started to think like, how can I work? Where's the place that I can most um, most love God and love others? And it seemed like such a simple thing, right? Like you probably hear heard that kind of idea just over and over. But you know, I was young, and I, I just was thinking of, through that, and. Ultimately, you can do that anywhere, right? You can love God and love others no matter where you were. But I felt like God had given me a unique opportunity where I was at to love, like, non-Christian um, employees, um, non-Christian vendors. I could, um, you know, do work with integrity. Um, and so it was actually the harder decision, or it was the harder road that I was going to choose, but it was the better road. And so... I don't know why, but this morning, even as I was having my quiet time, just this idea of embracing the heart came to mind that, like, sometimes we want our work to be just, you know, joy, 20, you know, eight hours a day, you know, five days a week. Um, but actually, there's a lot of, I mean, I think for me, all the great things that have come from my business probably came from just it being hard, right, just growing me and 
uh, maturing me. And so, um, so I think, yeah, it, it's still hard. Um, it's still joyful, but I think I've learned tremendously from it. So, yeah. So kind of picking back on what you're saying, you know, yeah, it can be scary to think about a decision that's going to affect a good chunk of your life. But mm -hmm. also, yeah, what if that decision goes completely not the way you want it? Well, that was me. <laughs> I'm here on the other side of that. I made that decision, and God has been so gracious to it, right? He taught me, and, and so hopefully you can be encouraged by that. We have broken systems in you know, Denver. I work in healthcare, and you know, it is run. You know, our medical group makes the decisions of how we're going to treat patients, and what sort of resources we're going to pull into where. But I saw a whole bunch of doctors that were never trained in business. You know, trying to run a business like a billion-dollar business. You know, we have a huge group like Kaiser is, and so you know, they get training in leadership and marketing in, in business, but then you know. Sometimes they come up with things that are not so um, thought through. So it's, a lot of it is reactive to forces in the market. So and we have a lot of external regulations from the state of California. You know, you need to see patients at this, you know, time within this time frame. You know, and they have to be satisfied with your care based on these, you know, questionnaires. So and so, there's a lot of subjectivity that goes into. Uh, what we have to do with the pressures that are on us, so we end up having to see more people than we are able to comfortably or, or safely sometimes, right? And, and you have to, you're constantly asked to do more and more with this limited amount of time, so it feels like you're being squeezed, you know, to the last drop, you know, you have to Make sure that uh, they, you know, their blood pressure under control, their diabetes under control, that they're depression, screening for depression, they're taking care of their pain, that you are, you know, uh, meeting certain metrics and seeing them on time and at the same time with a smile and making them feel like they're at the Ritz Carlton. So that's the that's how I see the systems driving this, you know, mainly because of the brokenness of this world of greed and. You know, this this uh, this is a business. We need to keep this business alive, and to a certain degree, it's true because you know competition is there, and if we are not up to par, you know, people are not going to come to Kaiser. They're going to go to UCLA, or they're going to go to healthcare partners, or Cedars, you know, Providence. You know. So, and then there's no business. There's no way to be good and and love people. But then, you know, I think I see the brokenness in myself and how I react. To these pressures and how I react to people that are difficult. I see brokenness in my own patients, right? They're coming in with terrible, terrible, you know, stories, stories of abuse, of neglect, of you know, growing up without parents or or you know, parents who are not loving, parents who are there, or you know, just a lot of brokenness, crime, drugs, and addiction. So that affects a lot of the patients that I see, and so that's that makes it hard too, because then you. Uh, a lot of the things that they need, I can't provide as a doctor. And, and we cannot provide as a medical system. So this is way bigger than, than us. So, but someone who wants to do good, mm -hmm. it gets, uh, it's hard. That's great. We're going to move to, I guess, the topic of uh, choosing a job, decision making, discerning God's will. Um, so if well, I'm going to ask one more question, then we'll move to that. But if you guys have any questions, uh, feel free to text, um, or you can also raise your hand. Um, but the question is this, and I want to talk about perspective again, right? Like, so hopefully perspective and, and the fact that, like, work is just hard, and you're not going to get, like, what you want out of it all the time. Um, but I think a second, like, part of perspective is realizing that maybe some of the things that, like, you guys as students are maybe struggling with, the hard issues, like that's not just a thing, a college thing, right? Like if you don't deal with these sort of things now, like they're still going to come up later. Um, and so that's my next question for I guess uh, for Kel and for for Brian, um, as pastors here, elder. Um, I'm sure you guys, you know, you talk to people who have been working for years and decades, and like I'm sure work is one of the things that comes up. So, um, like, what is what do you find to be some of the most common issues, and and maybe like what is what is the most common counsel that you find yourself giving? 
someone who's, you know, indecisive. Yeah, I think you really have to evaluate your heart, uh-huh. right? Um, you know, some of, the, some of the, the questions, like, is is taking a job for money a bad, simple thing? No, like, we're called to provide for our families, right? And, and so um, changing jobs, leaving a job for a, a, a different job with different circumstances is not a bad thing. Um, taking a job because it pays more is not a, a sinful thing, right? Uh, but we really have to evaluate our hearts on, uh, and, and that's why it's a case-by-case, because all of us struggle with different things, right? Uh, the Lord knew if I became a high-powered attorney that wore, you know, like, like the TV show Suits, right? That's what I wanted to be, Harvey <laughs> Specter. Um, the Lord knew that if I became that, I would just embrace my sin of materialism, right? And the Lord knew my heart and revealed to me my own heart about that, whereas there are other lawyers in the church who do that and do that well and do that to God's glory, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so we really have to evaluate our own hearts and our own idolatries and be honest with ourselves. Uh, one thing that Christians are really good at is justifying our idolatry. We make our idols sound really good, you know, put lipstick on a pig. That's what we do. Um, but, you know, having your accountability group, having the church come around you and, and counsel you, examine your heart, right? Get, get a heart check on, on your intentions and, and wanting certain, certain things, um, and so, so that's kind of the, the questions that we'll go through mm-hmm. and talk through and, and, and just try to see what's really um, behind motivating uh, those things. So, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, Kyle, what are some other issues that you see come up often when it comes to work? Um, I think one thing that the elders have talked about probably almost from the beginning is that um, our church is in such an affluent area and that's a, that's a huge concern for us. Like, I think when you're, depending, you know, just the people that worship, you worship with, there's, there's a, every church has its struggles. And for us, we always saw just this, this thing that, hey, we're in a place where so many people are doing so well, you know, and 
we joke that you can't swing a dead cat without hitting a doctor at Lighthouse, right? Like, we, you know, like, there's like, there's like 25, 30 doctors at Lighthouse. There, there's a lot of, um, you know, people doing really well, and, and that's almost a concern for us because that can be such an idol for people. It can, um, it can draw people's focus away from God. It can be their God. Um, and so I think that's, you know, that's something that, you know, um, yeah, I think we're always trying to, we're, we're kind of vigilant about. So, like, mm-hmm. you'll hear that string of application in our, our sermons. It's like, you know, hey, and, you know, maybe this is a struggle or this can be a struggle or, you know, I'm having, you know, wanting more or, you know, you know, wanting a certain job because, you know, and so there's this kind of string of, like, we preach kind of the way we, or that's been a kind of a constant theme in our, our preaching is just a concern for, just almost how much money our church does have, right? Like, you know, if you're in the middle of a little farm town somewhere and you go to a church there, you know, it's probably not the, the, quite the struggle, right? There's other things that they're, they're worried about. They're worried about having jobs and stuff like that. But um, the Bible talks so much about money, and it warns, it warns and warns and warns about making money uh, a love. And um, and so I think that's something that we've always kind of been, yeah, trying to um, preach towards, teach mm-hmm. about, um, encourage and warn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. All right, I want to talk about, um, I guess, discerning God's will a little bit. How do we choose a job? Um, and so I guess this question is for all of you guys. Uh, how should I choose a job? Like, And maybe I'll lump in some other questions. How do you think about money or salary? Uh, like, is it okay to be motivated by, by that? Uh, yeah, is there any, I guess, general, helpful principles, guidelines for us? Straws. <laughs> <laughs> on it last week um, like I think you said like being honest and humble about like where your strengths are like mm-hmm. um, I know a lot of times you're like trying to psychoanalyze like oh let's take all these like tests and figure out like where I'm gifted and like I don't know these career tests but I think I think a lot of you have chosen calling majors you're relatively good at I'm guessing and that you enjoy and I think some of you are making faces, but um, <laughs> I don't know. I think it's not so hard as to like let's take like five personality tests and figure out like what job fits you. But I think if you know you're like maybe you're really good at science and physics, which like I'm not, but good for you. You can maybe be an engineer. Um, like I myself knew very early on I'm not smart enough to be a doctor, and I knew that just wasn't a path for me. Um, but I did like science, and so you know, just kind of looking through the options there and, and seeing how you could use what God has gifted you with and stewarding that well mm. to find a career that um, you can glorify him and love others with. Um, I don't think it's as complicated as maybe some people make it out to be. I know, like, a lot of people in college were like, I took all these tests and, like, I don't know, like, even, like, serving in church, people are like, I took all these spiritual gift tests and I have to figure out, like, where I'm going to serve. It's like, well, I don't know, I feel like... If, you're gifted with singing and you like it, maybe you could do worship to you. Like, it doesn't have to be like this 20, 20 question thing. Um, maybe it's not so clear for all of you, but I, again, like I don't think you have to like be scared about making a certain decision because you know God is sovereign and they mm-hmm. at peace with wherever you are There's a, a book, I don't know if you guys talked about it, it's called The Gospel at Work by Sebastian Schrager. Um, and I, I like that book. I, I recommend it. Um, I, it has actually, he has some pretty helpful questions. Like there's like the must-have questions and then the nice-to-have, the preferential questions. And this whole thing is like a lot of times young people, when they're thinking about their careers, they're thinking me first, right? So your first question is like, what do I want to do, right? Which is like the most vague, broad question that you can ask yourself, right? Um, but he's saying like, we got to flip that on the head, on, flip that over and start with God. And ask like, okay, what is God 
called me to do? What has God gifted me to do? Right? And you just kind of go down the questions. And like some of his, his must have, like necessary questions for the Christian life is like, is this job going to cause me to sin? Right? And if so, then don't do it. Right? Um, is this job going to take me away from the church so that I can't just look, love and serve the church? If so, then don't do it. Like, these are must-have questions that uh, Christians need to answer. Like, is this job going to allow me to provide for my family? Right? Um, if not, then don't do it. Right? And there's biblical text that says, yeah, we should be able to provide for our families. And then it's, it's interesting because he has like the nice-to-have meaning they're, they're not necessary, the preferential questions. Right? Uh, uh, or another one of the night must-have questions is like, does this benefit society? Right? Am I actually contributing um, to society in some way? Right? And how you define that? That's, you can read the book. Um, um, more reading for you. My staff always says like, I just assign reading. <laughs> Everything I do, I give books away for gifts, and that's all I do. Um, but like the preferential questions is like, do I enjoy this job? You know, it's interesting that that's like a preference thing. It's not a necessary question for you to enjoy your job, right? Um, uh, another, like, one is like, do I have specific skills for this job, right? Um, and so, so I, I think that book helps us to flip it on the, its head and say, like, okay, what is God calling us to do? Like, we're not going to sin, blatantly sin. And then what all the preferential things that, like, if so, great. But if not, that doesn't mean that it's not the job for you. Mm-hmm. So, um, so read that book, basically. <laughs> That's my answer. <laughs> yeah, the gospel at work. That's good. That's good. Um, how many of you guys are planning to go to grad school? How many of you planning to go to like multiple years of grad school? Okay. Awesome. Is it mostly like like med school, health care stuff? Yeah. Okay. Um, so that's what I want to talk about for our next question a little bit. Um, so I guess Ruben's majoring, but you guys can feel free to chime in too. I'll, I'll <laughs> it's not specifically healthcare, but I want to just talk about, uh, I guess like grad school or when you think about like pursuing a career that requires you to, I don't know, commit like seven, like four plus seven, you know, years of um, your twenties or whatever, um, and like, I feel like there's a need to count the cost where, where sometimes people are just like, well, this is what I'm going to do. And like, nothing's going to stop me from doing that, right? Um, but maybe, I don't know if you guys were able to think through this, but maybe even looking back, uh, how would you encourage someone who's looking at like, oh, I want to go to grad school or med school and it's going to be like seven years of my life, right? And um, how would you encourage them to either maybe really count the cost or you know, consider, like where you're weighing options, you're making sacrifices, right? Um, yeah, so I don't know, does that question make sense to you guys? Mm-hmm. Kind of? Okay. Well, PT's been only three years. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, be a PT. Um, huh. I don't know. I think it's a lot of, I mean, I think it's a, a, it was a huge challenge for me applying for grad school because I didn't know if I was going to get in. Like, to be honest, I had really bad grades in college. Um, I did not study a lot. And I think it was by the grace of God that I got into grad school. Um, but I think it was a lot of just trusting that, because I didn't know if I was going to get in. Also, like, was I going to get through all three years? You know, like, and I think, um, which would, would I get into the school I wanted to get into? And that didn't happen, and I was, like, really upset. Um, and I think it just revealed a lot about my heart in terms of, like, what I wanted over, like, where I was going to trust God to lead me. Um, so I think, I think just, like, I think, like, with every aspect, and it's not like once you get into grad school or once you get a job, you've, like, arrived to this thing. Like, I think you have to always hold everything with an open hand, knowing God can give and take away. Um, like, I lost my first job. I got laid off. So, like, you know, you can at any moment. Not Nothing's, like, for sure, you know. It's just because you get a job doesn't mean, like, you've arrived and you've had, you have it secure. So I think with any phase, like, whether you're considering grad school, whether to go or whether you get in, and once you get in, like always trusting God with that and trusting that he has a plan because, um, you know, at any given time it could go a different way than you had planned in your head. Um, I don't know. I don't have to then really answer the question. <laughs> but, no, that's helpful. So, 
My story is really not that helpful for you guys because <laughs> in Brazil, once you graduate from high school, you go straight to med school, right? There's no college, there's no undergrad, right? So you go straight to whatever so path you want to go. So go to Brazil. Free <laughs> <laughs> med school. And it's six years. Okay, so, so it's only two years less, right? But then, so I, I got to uh, med school straight. And I don't know if it's my generation, I mean, we, I wasn't too concerned about, oh my God, it's going to take this long, because I even, I, I stopped one year, I went to Korea to learn English for a year, but English. I went to Korea to learn Korean now. <laughs> 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 there, after my first year in school, came back, so, you know, it was one extra year, and then, you know, I meet my wife, and she lives here, so, okay, I'm going to move to the U.S., you know, go after her. So I lost another year in that process of getting married, moving here. I had to do residency again. So I, I did six years of med school, or seven plus that you know gap year in Korea. So seven years for my to finish my, my med school. Did two years of residency there, then got married. One year waiting here. Did residency here three more years, right? And then after that, I wasn't sure what I was going to do. I did not want to do what I'm doing now. Right? So I was praying and praying and praying, God, please show me what I need to do, what you want me to do. And, and I thought, you know, it was so clear that he showed me that I, I should be in research doing clinical nutrition, right? So I got into a postdoc at UCLA, did one year of that, the worst year of my life. <laughs> like, like, I hated every minute of it, like, this research, I hate research, this is terrible. And, but then at the end of that, that's when I met up with a, a residency classmate, and, and he is like, oh, what are you, what are you doing? Oh, you know, I was moonlighting at the VA, uh, and then I, after a shift, I went up to the residency office, and I ran into him. It's like, oh, I just got hired at Kaiser. They're hiring. You want to give him a call? I was like, sure. Uh, give him a call, then. and got him. So it, it kind of happened that way. So it, even I was so clear that what God wanted me to do is to go into this path of clinical nutrition, and then I was even thinking I'm going to do a master in public health and working in healthcare policy, and it didn't turn out to be that way at all. But um, I think thinking about this question on the way here, I was, you know, because I'm reading through uh, Deuteronomy now, I, I was realizing, you know, Moses had to wait 40 years. Uh, 40 years tending sheep before God called him in the very bush. Uh, well, you know, David had to wait a lot. Abraham had to wait a lot. You know, there's a lot of people uh, in Scripture that had to wait a lot before God called them. Jesus had to, you know, do carpentry for you know, 20 some years until he started his public ministry. So, I think, and it may seem like it's such a waste of time. You know, you might see some of your uh, classmates, colleagues, friends already, you know, graduating, getting jobs, and and getting well into their careers and you're still kind of like making minimum wage as a resident, right? Or, or even less, you're still a med, med student, not making anything. Um, it's, it may seem like such a waste, but nothing is wasted. God has done so much in my heart throughout those years of med school. You know, he's done so much in my heart even when I didn't know him, right? He was humbling me, he was you know, challenging me, he was you know, showing me, putting me through hard things. direction I was going. <laughs> I was, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, Ruben said it's worth it. It's true, right? Like, everyone's different. Um, so maybe that is, you know, like, where you're gifted. Um, and, like, yeah, it does take years and years of school. And um, I think what Ruben said is, is good, where, it, like, it's not just wasted. It's not like you're just trying to arrive at a destination, but um, to really get the most out of whatever God's doing there. Um, yeah, I guess where I was approaching it is, like, maybe to reconsider or even uh, think about like 
do we or is this something I should pursue in the first place, right? Because there are certain costs, there are certain sacrifices that you have to make um, if you're going to commit to this thing, um, and maybe it's not where you're gifted, or it's, maybe it's like not the best, uh, I guess, path for you to take, even if that's what you've dreamed about, you know, your whole life. So I think, yeah, uh, I think two, I guess, different perspectives, but um, hopefully cause us to think more about our decisions. Cool. I want to ask a question to Brian. So Brian, specifically, uh, as we're thinking about choosing jobs and stuff, so you used to be a full-time pastor here, right, for a little bit, um, and then you decided to go back to Life Ray to work full-time. You're still a lay pastor here. Uh, but how did, like, what went into that decision? What was your thought process? Yeah, ministry was just too hard. <laughs> difficult co-workers? <laughs> yeah, difficult co-workers. Every time Pastor Kim brought up difficult co-workers, I was like, Francis. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, he was just an intern. Yeah, as a lean intern. Yeah. <laughs> Not technically a coworker. Um, no. Uh, so uh, ministry was a joy, and it's it's uh, it still is a joy. Um, and I'm thankful for the elders and uh, just allowing me to still pastor at Lighthouse as, as a lay pastor. Um, so uh, never thought I would end up at a tech company uh, after seminary. Um, had an interview with. Uh, uh, actually one of Kristen's uh, youth leaders and he offered me a job two days later and I, I had been looking for like three months afterwards because a seminary degree is not necessarily the best resume booster. Um, it, they say in seminary like it's the one graduate degree that you can get where you your salary will not increase, it'll actually decrease. <laughs> uh, but it is a graduate degree so um, and uh, yeah so I was, I was scrapping for jobs. I applied everywhere and uh, by God's grace um, was coming back from seminary one day, so I was already dressed up in my tie. Uh, got lunch with uh, a friend that I had served at, at a camp with, and uh, two days later he had an, an offer for me um, as an assistant planner, um, which is does not sound great. It was not great, um, and uh, you know I I kind of struggled for the first six months to apply my theology to my the workplace. Um, it was it was hard going to work. It was far. Um, I just knew I wanted to get married. That was my motivation, right? Um, and it was really difficult for the first six months just trying to figure out, like, how do I love people in the workplace? Like, how do I talk to people? It's so different from church. Um, and uh, I told the Lord, like, I'm just going to invest here. I'm not going to assume that I'm going to get a full-time pastoral uh, ministry job. Um, and I just wanted to really invest in the people there. Um, and so that's what I did for two and a half years. I just gave it my all, and I just said, I'm just going to work hard at whatever I do, going to learn as much as I can. Um, and after two and a half years, the elders approached me and asked me to come on full-time at Lighthouse as a pastor, uh, because uh, two of my seminary friends and uh, brothers were going to plant, uh, plant Zoe in, in Dallas. Um, and so, uh, and actually, Life Ray is the reason why I wanted to do young adult ministry, because I had seen so many young adults who come out of college, get into the workplace, and just struggle, right? Um, you go to church, you learn all this stuff, and then you get into the workplace, and people were just struggling left and right. I had more counseling cases in the workplace than I do at church, you know? And, um, and I, I, the Lord really grew a heart for young adults while I was working for that two and a half years, and so that's why we started Praxis. Um, the elders didn't want me to initially go into the young adult ministry, but um, you know, the Lord had put that on my heart. And it was actually really hard for me to leave life, right, to come into full-time ministry, um, because I just had invested so much in the people there. Uh, Life is a global company. Uh, one of the things I enjoy <coughs> most is that um, I'm talking with people from Tokyo, from Budapest, from India, from uh, Madrid, right, on a weekly basis. Like uh, today, uh, a couple of our, our colleagues from Tokyo and from Budapest just <coughs> at home, right? They, they, they were visiting for a while. Um, so there's like this global fo footprint. Um, and so what actually happened is I was in ministry for about two years. Uh, we were doing praxis. Uh, we were preaching through the book of Acts, uh, which I told the, the group at the beginning of that, that series that I don't know what the Lord's going to do in your hearts or in my heart, right? Um, and we got to Acts chapter 8. Uh, everybody, turn there. Um, <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry, Francis. <laughs> but uh, I think this is really important for, for young people to know, though. Um, Acts chapter 8, right? This is after uh, Stephen is martyred. Saul is like standing over him. You know, enraged, right? They stoned Stephen. Um, Acts chapter 8, verse 1, Saul approved his execution. And then 
in verse 1, and there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except for the apostles. So, uh, because of the persecution of the church in Jerusalem, everyone leaves except the apostles. And I think there's this common misconception that all the churches, all the early churches were planted by the apostles. That's not true. It was planted by these people who scattered out of the region because of persecution that was happening to Christians. And then you get down to verse 4, and this is the crazy verse right here. Now, those who were scattered went about preaching the word. And so when I got to this chapter and was preaching through chapter 8 and reading through chapter 8, um, that just struck me. Right? Uh, as Christians, we're called that wherever we go, we're called to preach the word. You know? And if you, if you go through Acts, like you go through and you read, uh, you get to chapter 11, uh, verse 19. Now those who were scattered, right, the same people who were scattered because of the persecution, because of the persecution that arose over Stephen, traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. So they're preaching to only Jews at the time. They, they plant the church of Antioch that becomes the missionary sending church right, that Paul and Barnabas are sent out from. And people think, oh, Antioch was planted by the apostles. No, it was planted by unnamed, nameless, faceless people who were scattered because of persecution. And I really, really believe that as Christians, this is what we're called to, is that wherever we go, we preach the word, right? Um, and I, I, I see this in, in modern missionary movements, too, is, is that churches are not able to carry and fund all the missionaries that they're trying to send out. And so what, what, what are we called to do? Like, the International Mission Board has this Global Cities Initiative, right? They're, they're putting young people who work really hard, who are really good at their jobs, like if you're a nurse, be the best nurse you can and go to the Middle East and preach the word. Like, bring the word to your workplace, right? Um, and so this is what we're talking about in practice. We're just talking about like wherever you go, whatever job you have, whatever skills the Lord has given you, do that really well and take that far and bring the word with you, right? Preach the gospel wherever you go. Um, and this was really on my heart at the time as I was preaching through Acts, just seeing all of this unfold in the early church um, and uh, talking with Christian. You know, we, we, we thought about, you know, do we church plant? Do we go on long-term missions? Right? Uh, and at the time, I had maintained really good relations with uh, people at LifeRay. Uh, and my old boss just said, uh, if we make you an offer, would you consider it? Um, and... Uh, Funny thing too, like when I left Life, Life Ray, our CEO, our founder said, "In three years, we're going to make you an offer you can't refuse." Right? <laughs> um, I didn't. I was like, "Ha, ah, whatever." You know, three years later, though, they made me an offer, um, and we, we wrestled with it. You know, and I think for Kristen and I, it was really good for our marriage um, to have those disagreements. Rod was in our small group. Rod and Catalina were in our small group at the time, and he, he knows all the the wrestling that we went through of uh, just thinking this through, approach the elders about it, and you guys were. Abnormally gracious about it. They're like, yeah, yeah, go, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> all these other interns. Um, but um, uh, yeah, it just, my job allows me to travel, and not just for traveling's sake, but to um, do exactly what I saw and, and felt convicted about in Acts is to be in places where I can, I show up in China and I have a team of people there as a manager who want to grab dinner with and I can talk to them about the gospel, right? Uh, I can show up in Tokyo, and there are a team of people who want to grab dinner with me, so I can talk to them about this. Whereas, I tell Pastor Gavin this all the time, if I was depending on the church to send me out, it would cost the church tens of thousands of dollars to send me out, and I'd have to find the church to, to plug into, and find a community, and meet random people on the street, and all these different things, whereas in the workplace, I already have an established community that I'm going to, to, to serve, and, and and I, you know, the Lord's given me this position, and so, um, and, and I think my own personal conviction was, you know, if I could do the work of ministry without um, kind of burdening the church with my salary specifically, um, then that's something that I was convicted wanted to do as well. Um, but, you know, I, I think I, I, I have the best of both worlds right now where I still get to preach and teach and counsel, um, but then at the same time just have that outlet of, of going and meeting people where they're at. Um, bringing just bringing the word with me wherever I go, right? On airplanes, right? Those are, I love airplanes, you know. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's just like, I think that's what we're called to do as, as believers. Is you're on campus, like, preach the word wherever you go in your classes. Like, sit down next to someone and get to know them, love them well, and, and share God, share, share God's word with them. Um, and I think if, if you're not doing that now in college, 
it's going to be really hard to do when you're in the workplace. It's going to be even harder to do when you're in the workplace. So, so how can you be practicing that now in preparation for the workplace, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so, so yeah, and, and the others kind of let me mm -hmm. stay on staff. And, um, yeah, it's been, it's been good. It's been hard. Mm -hmm. It's been two jobs, but uh, it's been a blessing. Mm -hmm. So, awesome. yeah, that's the yeah, and if you guys are graduating, um, I encourage you to check out Praxis. If you'll be around, check out Praxis. Um, yeah, Brian is faithfully shepherding that group, and uh, it's a growing ministry, and, and really good things are happening. So, um, yeah, definitely check that out. Just a couple more questions. So if you guys have anything that you are dying to ask, text me. So far, I only have one text message, and it says, hi. <laughs> I, I don't know. What <laughs> you guys? Um, but this is uh, for, for Kelly specifically. Um, so your wife does she stays at home, right? Actually, she just started working. She just started working. Yeah. Okay. Again, and she hadn't worked okay. for a long time. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we don't like one of the I guess jobs we don't have up here is a stay-at-home mom, a homemaker. Um, and so I guess for you and your family specifically, like, what were those conversations like um, as you were thinking through um, taking care of the kids and, and things like that? Yeah. Um, I don't, yeah, so I don't, I don't know how every family's conversation goes, but I think for us it was, we were very like-minded, and I think we want, that was kind of the goal, was to be able to allow Shelly to um, stay at home and be with our girls. And, um, and so for us, as you know, our company was, was always just kind of, you know, just making it, you know, just hanging in there. And uh, so going to one... Um, income was was a stretch because um, even early on in our marriage, my, my wife um, she did well and she had good benefits and that helped us, you know, get by. Um, and so it was actually, yeah, you know, big sacrifice to kind of financially, but nothing that we regretted. We I think we felt like that was um, the right call at that time and just. Um, yeah, I think for, you know, it, it's it's a season of life that goes quicker than you can imagine. And so I know you guys are probably two seasons from there, right? You're trying to graduate, and there's the kind of work and get going, and then maybe marriage and family. And so I know there's, um, that seems kind of far down the line, but, you know, I think I would encourage you to think through those things even now. Um, like even for my daughter, she's a, so a sophomore in high school, and I try to help help her think through like what it would be like to, you know, what, what she should think about when she's trying to pick a major, and then what she's trying to think about as she's trying to think about career. And one of those things that I try to encourage her to think about is just like what it would be to be a mom, you know. And and for her, that's actually I think a greater goal than you know necessarily a work, you know, career. And and then that's not for everybody. And and I think one thing that I hope everyone realizes is that there's not one, you know, path that we can all just jump on and go, and then that's how it is. I think like um, both Brian and Adrian have brought up the point that you know, like we have to kind of see how we're made. We have to look at our hearts, see where there's sin. So I think like for us, um, when we got married, that was just a, that was an easy decision, um, and now she hadn't been in the industry for. I think 13 years or something like that, and a coworker called, and uh, she's been working recently, and and that's been a blessing to our, our family as well. So, I think there's no. But I think the call to be a mom is a very <coughs> high call. It's a very important call, um, and that season is short. And like, you know, I felt like we just had kids, and now you know I have one girl that'll be gone in two years, and you know the other ones, you know growing so fast and so um, just to make the most of that that season with, with kids so yeah mm -hmm. cool uh, my nerve my, my wife was a nurse and you know we she, now she's a stay home mom she only started that when our second daughter was two and, and she she was just calling today it's like I, I never thought I was going to be a stay home mom even while we had kids right what kind of triggered it was one time we were asking our oldest, and she was, I think she was about five, six at the time. And 
we had Manny, right, that before Ford came. And they asked, who do you like more? Do you like uh, us or, or Chistella, right? <laughs> oh, Chistella. <laughs> like, why? Oh, she lets us watch TV. <laughs> so that's kind of triggered that thought. Maybe she, she started thinking, stay home. <laughs> and, and then you know, initially I thought it was uh, work. I'll, I'll stay home until they're in middle school, and then I'll go back to work. And now, you know, one is going to high school, one is going to middle school. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know, she's we can see the, the benefit that it is. You know, like like Kevin said, it's like being a stay-at-home mom is one of the most glorious jobs. This is such a privilege. Discipling you know, kids and managing the family. Our, our house would just collapse. Was for my wife. So, yes. All right. Well, we're gonna wrap. Up our time. Any just last words from you guys? One short piece of advice you'd give us, maybe something we didn't talk about when it comes to work, thinking through it as college students. I think just I'm not a mom, obviously, but <laughs> I just like as a, a girl, you're like thinking through like work. And I think when I was in college, you know, when someone said, "Would you be willing to like be a mom?" I'd be like, "No, I'm gonna be an independent woman. I'm gonna work. <laughs> I'm like, you're not gonna make me stay at home." And then I think just like looking at scripture and seeing that it is a calling for like women to be willing to be a mom at home. I think just being willing and open-minded to like, you don't know if that's going to be in God's plan or not, but I think um, being open and willing and humble to submit to God's word and, and being able to not hold work as an idol to like be willing to give that up if God called you to be a mom. I think that's something I struggled with a lot. Like, I'm not there, but I think that's something to work through. I think even now, um, as someone who's, like, considering your job, and I think it's easy to think, well, I'm going to put so much time into grad school. What a waste to give all of that up and then to, like, not use it. But I don't think that's a waste. Um, I mean, I don't think... I don't, like, you don't know how you're going to, like, learn things in school and use that as at home to be a mom. Mm. And I don't think that's a waste, um, in, like Ruben said, in God's economy to, like, you know, put aside maybe being a doctor and being at home. Um, and I think as girls, you can't always think about, like, the money and the time you spent and then giving that up. I think sacrificially giving that up to love your family is, um, I think, a really good way of, showing that work isn't your idol and that you want to submit to God's word and, and love God and love your family that way and sacrifice maybe that part of your life. So mm -hmm. I think just for the girls in the room, I think that's just something to consider and be open to mm -hmm. um, even now because that's something I really struggled with in college. Like, well, if I go to grad school, it's going to be a waste of three years and $100,000 if God does call me to be a mom. And it's like, well, that wasn't in the cards in my life, but like, was I willing to give that up if that was? And so I think just knowing that work can't be like the thing that you say, God can't have this. Mm -hmm. so. No matter what you, career path you go to, I think we said that work is hard. And you would probably already heard that too in previous weeks. So pick something that you can work heartily into the Lord. Right? You have two choices. Be free in what you choose. There's no one good one path that God wants you to go. You have two good choices. It's not they're not sinful. Pick the one that you enjoy more. That there be more likely that you will serve more heartily. It's something that will get more. You get more of Jesus. Yet don't expect to have a perfect job. It's not out there. The only perfect job would be in the new heavens and new earth. So it's, it's tough. But God is in it. Like God meets me every day. Cool. All right, well, we're going to wrap up our time, but let's thank these guys um, for. Yeah, we were really helped. Um, I, I think they might be around, but they also go to Lighthouse, so if you guys have more <laughs> questions, um, feel free to ask them uh, just individually, and I'm sure that they'd love to talk with you. Um, let me pray for us, and then we'll, we'll have some snacks. Let's pray. Uh, God, we thank you so much, for again, for our church family. Uh, thank you for uh, 
these people up here and the work that you've done in their lives and um, just that we can learn from them. And so I pray, Lord, that uh, all the the counsel that we've heard, um, that we would really take it to heart and we would um, think through our own lives, our our own work, and maybe even schooling, um, and help us to really pursue Christ in, in all that we do, um, not our careers, not prestige or success, or um, our own plans and ideas of what we want our life to look like, but um, to, to put Christ as most important, and um, that as we do that, Lord, that you would guide our steps. Um, and so, yeah, we're, we're thankful again for tonight, for the opportunity to learn. Uh, we, we do pray that it would serve us um, to live lives that are more glorifying to you. So God, we thank you. We love you. We pray this all in Christ's name. Amen.